Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your speaking um, wonder and beauty into this space that we occupy. Jesus, we come before you uh, as people who are um, in a lot of different places, people who are happy to be here and just embrace your sacrifice on the cross and the hope of life everlasting through your resurrection. Um, and we are just loving and treasuring our relationship with you. And for others of us, to being here is just hard because there's a lot of people um, and our brain just has lots of weird thoughts in it, but we're trying to hold it together and we're here. Some of us are just here and it's the evening and we're grumpy. Um, and there's, there's a lot of different reasons, Jesus, that we're here, but our presence here means we're seeking you and you say that when we seek you, you will find us. And so we ask that you would do that, that you would find us. Holy Spirit, give us the courage tonight to believe what is true and to put aside what is false. Give us the courage to be transformed and to op be opened to thinking about things in new ways. And I ask that in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. So I, I would like to give you some statistics um, to start out today. And I'd like to give you those statistics. Hopefully they won't depress you, but uh, they will. They should depress you. Uh, so the first statistic, and these are just random. They're not interconnected or anything like that, except that they're depressing. There are 650 million people in the world who have some form of physical disability. Um, so that's about 10% of the world. And uh, in developing countries, about 90% of them have no access to education. Um, here in Tucson... Uh, 15 to 16% of all of the adults live at the poverty level or below. Um, and so it, access is something that, that they wrestle with. Um, about 7% of all women in Arizona are single moms. Um, here, here's a, a statistic that just kind of breaks my heart. If you take... Uh, an affluent, we're going to take an affluent African-American couple, let's say they're a surgeon, and uh, they have children, and then you take their counterpart who is white, surgeon, make the same amount of money. The African-American kids are 25% less likely to make the same amount of money as their parents or more than their white counterparts. Um, and I could go on and on and talk about the inequalities that are in this world. And I could go on and on talking about how these inequalities limit access, such as education and health care and all these kinds of things. And we could all, by the end, just be on our face saying, Dear God, please do something. Right? So if you don't know, we're in this series on the values of the village, meaning the things that we say all that we do will kind of be filtered through these things. And one of our values, and the very last of our values to be talked about, is this word accessibility. Now, when you hear the word accessibility and you would think a church is saying this is our value, then maybe you would think that what they're saying is if you come to our church, we will be have accessible handicapped bathrooms. But I talked to one of the people in a wheelchair in our church just this morning, and she's like, yeah, okay, they're sort of accessible, right? And she was making jokes about how, what it's like to try to go to the bathroom at the village, right? 
Um, and it was, it was kind of funny, but, but they're not fully accessible. So maybe that's not what we're talking about. Maybe it means that we're trying really hard to have the appropriate amount of parking spaces. Maybe it means that we're going to work really hard to try to communicate the gospel and who Jesus is in as many different forms as possible and to help all of us in our different places cognitively to understand who Jesus is. Maybe that's what it means to be, what we're saying will mean to be accessible. Well, well, the reality is that the answer is yes, that's what we would like. And the answer is no, that's probably not what we're shooting for. It's, it's both and. And here's, here's why I say it's both and, because we're not going to solve the problem. And sometimes we think when we say accessibility is the value that somehow within this community, we're going to solve all the inequalities in our community, right? That we're going to figure out how to deal with all these things. But we're not necessarily going to be able to do that. So I would like to take you to James, the letter, the Jesus's brother. I'm going to go, you know, we had a little, you know, snafu there and, and poor Chris was reading from Mark's sermon and not my sermon. Um, but we're going to go to James and I want to read just the beginning of this passage, James chapter one, starting in verse 19, because I think James is trying really hard to help his little community or the larger communities who are following Jesus to be accessible, meaning he wants Jesus to be the main thing and not everything else. And he's going to address the main reason why the communities are not accessible. So verse 19 starts this way. My dear brothers, take note of this. Okay, so brothers, brethren, that means all of us. You know how I know it means all of us because the next word is everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay? Here's my argument, or at least this is the beginning of my argument. In order for a community to be accessible in so many different ways, in order to understand how we might step out of the way as people and as a community, in order for Jesus to shine, for Jesus to be understood, and for people's relationship with Jesus to proceed, we have to be people who listen. And what James understands is that we are bad listeners. And I think the Holy Spirit is saying this because when Mark and I started talking about what we were going to speak on, the thing that we both concluded before we talked to each other was that the key to accessibility is listening and that nobody is good at listening, right? And, and so I think because this is what he was talking about in the morning and this is what I'm talking about tonight, this is important for our community to understand that the key to having an accessible community is to be people who listen, and we are bad listeners. And so let me just kind of give you an example about how bad of a listener all of you are. I think that Dunkin' Donuts is the best donut in the world. I think it is super, super good, and there is no other place that is better than Dunkin' Donuts, right? Now, I think some of you, you know, know this is a trap, but a lot of you are thinking, well, let me tell you that there are a lot other places that are better than Dunkin' Donuts. In fact, you would like to quickly interrupt me and tell me those places that are better than Dunkin' Donuts, right? Because you're not really listening to me 
you're just wanting me to be right and wanting me to know what you think is best, right? But some of you are like, are maybe even a little perturbed. Now, I know you probably aren't because you love me, but some of you are probably perturbed and you're like, wait a minute, you're the man up here with a, a mic and you're talking and you're saying that this gigantic corporation that rules the donut world has the best donut? And how dare you not support the local communities who are trying to build donut industries locally and support local business, right? Again, because you're not really listening to me. You again are you're just have, anger has stirred up. Now I know this is a simple example and a little exaggerated, but I want you to understand what happens when we listen to people and why James is so concerned. Because if you actually listened, you would find out that when I first got married, Sue and I were really poor. And one of our favorite dates for two dollars and fifty cents was to go to Dunkin' Donuts get two donuts and a decaf coffee and get in our car when it was 99 cents a gallon to drive around and drive around the city and giggle and laugh and give each other, our, you know, share each other's donuts and drink our decaf coffee. And all of a sudden, Dunkin' Donuts became the best donut in the world. And it had nothing to do with how the donut tasted because it tasted really good because it was with my love, Right? So when we listen, we, when we truly listen, we are able to hear what's really happening and what people's stories are. And when we begin to learn people's stories, we begin to see what kinds of things hinder them from understanding the gospel, from the way the physical accommodations of our spaces to our own Ways of listening, because as Mark had said earlier in his sermon this morning, we grew up the way we grew up and what our parents did and said. Those are filters in the way we listen. Now, James goes on and he says, and he really wants to focus on this anger thing because anger is about power, right? And he says, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So he's saying, hey, look, like anger doesn't work. It's not a good way to listen. But then he kind of gives these two extreme examples. And he says, you need to get rid of moral filth, right? So what he's talking about there is the way you talk, entertaining kind of, a darkness in your speech. But on the other side, this, the translators say evil, sometimes they say wicked, but the word in the Greek actually means to, to actually purposely like, want to hurt somebody with your words. Right? So what he's saying is you, when you entertain kind of a darkness in your speech and when you have an intention to hurt people, you don't listen very well. You're actually quick to speak and quick to kind of grow angry and want to hurt people and not really pay attention to what they're saying, which means you become very inaccessible. But what he says is, no, you have to humbly accept the word that's been planted in your heart for salvation. So here's my argument. My argument is that the only way that you can be a good listener and the only way that you will know that you're a good listener is when you are someone who listens to Jesus. People who listen to Jesus 
listen to other people. People who stop listening to Jesus don't really pay attention to other people. It's very simple. And so what I'd like to do is pause in the middle of James. We're going to come back and jump into uh, Psalm 19, which is one of my favorite psalms. And Psalm 19 is a song by David in the Old Testament where he talks about what it's like to listen to God and how to listen to God and what happens when we listen to God, like the transformation that happens in our life. So I'm going to read the first six verses of it and then kind of talk about it. So he starts out this way, Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. So he says that the, the heavens are proclaiming the glory of God. They are proclaiming the weight, the who God is. And they're speaking and they're speaking and they're speaking. And there's one little interesting thing in here just for history point, uh, purposes. Guess who the most important person in a wedding is in ancient times? Not the bride. It's the bridegroom. He comes forth shining. So we could kind of change. Don't you think we should change this? That the mom walks the, uh, the, the man, her son, down the aisle, and he gets the best kind of dress, and then we just put the women, you know, they're there, and, you know, they, dad, when dad stands up, then everybody can stand up. Like, we should change this. It's been long enough for the women walking down the aisle, right? It's time, I think, for us men. Right, no, we don't want that. We don't want that attention at all. But what he's saying is like, look, the cosmos speaks. So here's, here's what I want to argue. If you are going to be a good listener, first you have to be a cosmic listener. And here's what I mean. When you walk out into the world and you look up at the sky, you climb up a mountain where there are no city lights and you look at the stars, God is speaking. When, when, you, when you wake up in the morning like this morning and it's actually a little cool and you look at the, the sky and it's clear, God is speaking. Or last night when you looked at the tiny little sliver of a moon, God is speaking. In fact, in a sense, God is still creating because what he put into action in the cosmos is still creating galaxy after galaxy as it expands. God is speaking. He's screaming out who he is. And he's inviting us to listen and to see the splendor of what he's created. And what's fascinating is that he's not talking about the mountains and the trees and the thing. He's talking about the vastness, David is, of the galaxies and how it speaks to who we are. Now, what's interesting is he actually uses a Hebrew word, Elohim, which means God. It could be Egyptian God. It could be any God when he says that the heavens declare the glory of God, right? It's just God. Right? It could be accepted as any God, but he, 
He's doing this on purpose because what he's going to do in the next section of this passage is going to say, okay, when you become a cosmic listener, something amazing happens. And he begins to talk about the decrees and the commands and the words of God and what they do. And so in verse 7, it says, the law of the Lord. And I just want to stop there. It's L-O-R-D, all capital. It's Yahweh. All of a sudden, he said, you know, the cosmic God, the God who creates and expands, comes down in this point, in a point. Yahweh, the one true God, the God who speaks things into existence, he brings it down into his words, into his scripture. And so for seven times, he's going to describe what these words are and what they do for us if we listen to them. So the God of the massive galaxy brings it down into written word, and it says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, right? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Here's the best example of this. I know all of you have seen toddlers, right? And if you got three toddlers playing together, they got like 10 minutes at best for real good communication between the three of them. Right? Before one of them doesn't understand how to communicate for one, because they want the toy and they don't know how to communicate that they want to share. And so some kind of screaming, some kind of crying, some kind of pain might happen. And what happens is there is an uncomfortable, an unsettledness to their souls. You, you've seen this. Toddlers get unsettled internally in their souls. So when the law of the mom arrives, right? The law of the mom arrives and she explains things. And if there's consequences that need to be enacted, those are enacted. And all of a sudden, guess what? Their souls are restored. I think this is what David is saying is David is saying, like, yes, we can look and be amazed at the cosmos, but the laws of God are perfect. And with that perfection, they bring a revival of our souls because guess what they do? They give us boundaries. And even as adults, we want boundaries. We like to push the boundaries, but we want boundaries because boundaries help us feel okay and our soul is refreshed. And so David is going to play on this theme. And so he goes on and he says, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. So what he's saying is that the commands of God are true. They're trustworthy. You can rely on them, right? And guess what happens when you rely on them? Simple people become wise. Now, because I have an eighth grader, I am around a lot of seventh and eighth graders, and I'm pretty sure this is true about freshmen in high school and on up. Uh, But they think they know everything because all of a sudden, somehow in eighth grade, seventh grade, knowledge has been opened up to them. All of a sudden, they're taking like, you know, slightly complex mathematics and they're learning about history and they're like they know stuff and all of a sudden their teachers have moved from trying to trying to help them to politically trying to shape them and trying to give them more than just facts opinions and so all of a sudden they're like my teacher says this and this is the way this is and you don't know what you're talking about and hey maybe the earth is flat no you're stupid about that no, they, all of a sudden we know everything correct as an eighth grader and a freshman. But what David is saying is even the eighth grader who focuses on the statutes of God 
can make really wise decisions. You don't need a lot of knowledge to be wise. Right? And all of us who've been around for a while have seen really, really, really smart people make really, really stupid decisions. And really, really simple people going like, yeah, this is the right thing. And you're like, yeah, that's really wise. Wisdom comes from God. And it's accessible to all of us. And it's trustworthy. It's not going to lead us astray. So again, when we listen to it, we have our soul revived. And we actually can make wise choices. goes on. He says, the precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. I like these two. Number one, these precepts give us joy, right? I don't know about but living in my house, like the rules did not often give me joy. But you know when they gave me joy is that when I was out in the world and my friends were asking me to do things that I shouldn't do, the precepts, the principles of my mother gave me joy because I was like, you know what, I don't have to do this. Like, I have a setback. Like, when, I, when I'm in trouble, those precepts helped. When they were really kind of constricting me, they didn't. But that's what is being said here. Is in the moment of crisis, the precepts of God will bring you joy and remove anxiety. But not only that, it will make you radiant, the commands will, and they will bring a light to your eye. Have you ever, when you look at somebody or you've been depressed and you look at yourself in the mirror, what do your eyes look like? They look dull, right? What, what David is saying is that when Yahweh, the cosmic God, when he hands you commands and you listen to them and you hold on to them, you become joyful and there's a life in your eyes. You have life, right? So, There's an internal experience, like a refreshing of your soul, but there's also an external experience when you listen to God's commands and that you're joyful and there's a brightness about you. And he goes on, and this is an interesting definition of God's words. But the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. So one way of reading this would be the awe of the Lord. Like this, the very words that we're listening right now are, are the awe. Like, oh, 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 wow. Like that, the awe of the Lord is pure and it endures forever. And the ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. I like this because he kind of builds this thing. It says internally when we listen, there's a refreshment. Externally, you see the results. And guess what? If you listen to the commands of God, you are standing on sure ground. Like, you don't have this rockiness. Like, everybody else is bouncing around everywhere, but when you listen to God, you have, you're on a firm foundation. Like, you don't have to worry, oh, is, is this right? Is that right? Or, what am, should I do? Where am I going? Why are they talking to me like this? Like, like, no. No matter what happens, you have this sureness, this, this foundation that you can stand on. And then he begins to try to talk about it in a in kind of extremes to express how important it is. He says they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey. No, he says, no, no, than honey from the comb, like immediately. How many have eaten honeycomb, like honey, right out of the comb? It's not like eating 
honey in the jar that's been sitting there at the store for us. Like it's just, it's different. He's saying it's, it's so intensely sweet and tasty and refreshing. And he says, okay, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So these things keep a boundary for you. They warn you and they're, um, they give you a reward. And then David does, this, this is the clue to knowing if you are actually listening to God's words. So are God's words going in your ear and out the other, or are you listening? Here is the very first clue to knowing if you're accessible, is that when you hear God's words, this is what you say. Who can discern his heirs? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. When David begins to reflect on the words of God and the cosmic creation that's just been spoken into existence where God is yelling out his power and his beauty and his creativity, like when we hear that, when David hears that, he reflects on it, the first thing he really says is, oh my gosh, like I've sinned against people and I don't even know it. Like, I have done things that have been offensive and hurt people, and I didn't know it. Please forgive me for those. And help me not to willfully and intentionally sin against people. You know you are a good listener. You know you're listening to God, and you're actually good at listening to other people. When your response to Scripture and to the world around you is to say, God, please forgive me, for I am a sinner in so many ways that I don't even know and in ways that where I just willfully do it. Like, so there's this like, expression of, like, of humbleness, like right where James is going, that we humbly accept the word of salvation that's been planted in us. There's a humility that happens when we listen to the word of God. And then Keith wrote a great, he just put music to this last verse. Um, but this is kind of, David's like, okay, this is what I want to be. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I love this because what was James saying is like, you got to get rid of filth. You got to get rid of this like intentionally wanting to like harm people when they're kind of, you think they're saying and doing things they shouldn't or you're not, whatever. Um, And what David is saying is if you listen to God, you're going to want your speech to be so pleasing and so encouraging and so engaging. And while you're doing that, you will hang on to God who is your rock and the one who saved you. So my argument about accessibility is very simple. In order for us to learn how to accommodate one another and in our physical disabilities and the things that we wrestle with, cognitively, emotionally, spiritually, in order for Jesus to shine and not us, you and I have to learn to be good listeners, slow to speak and slow to anger. James then explains to us what that might look like. Verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, it is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets that what he looks like. Which I think is all of us, right? 
especially at least as a teenager, that was me. Like, how many zits did I have in there? Oh, okay, so one, okay. Oh, wait a minute, is that one or was that three? Like, I didn't, <laughs> right? I mean, that, that, and even when you're like, maybe when you get older, you're like, I, I have finally just, I don't care. People can get over me. They'll be all right. But, but there's the, right, he's saying you, you look in the mirror and then you just forget. Like, it's, you're not actually looking. Verse 25 says, but the man who looked intently into the perfect law, so all the things we were just reading about in Psalm 19, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. His religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless. Well, let's see this. Pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, he kind of ends this with, and what I would argue is a slight extreme. He's saying, like, what true religion is, is that we look after the extremely distressed, right? But here's the reality. All of you sitting in here are distressed. You have distress. Some of you might be in denial, which is your distress. Um, but you are, there's distress. And what we're called to when we say our value is accessibility is to listen so that we might hear the distress of people, so that we might take care of your orphanness and your widowness. That might be literally, and that might be figuratively, might just be a metaphor. But what we are called to, when we say we want to be an accessible church, is people who listen and people who don't quickly speak and people who don't begin to form our arguments. But we listen for the distress of people. And you know how you know you're a good listener? is when you are taking care of the distress of others. That's how you'll know you're a good listener. Because you know how you know what the distress of others is? You listen to them. That's how it works. Right? So, let's just quickly review and then I will let you Actually, I'm not going to review so that you'll have some time for questions. Anybody have any thoughts, questions about accessibility, things they want me to clarify, argue? Well, no, you had to listen, not argue with me. Um, can I repeat myself? Yeah, the whole thing. Anybody, thoughts, questions? Points? Hey, wow, we're going to, oh, right here in the front and then in the back. When I read the Gospels, I am stunned at every interaction that Jesus has with people. He sees them. He hears them. He understands their heart, their motivation. And, uh, you know, we used to say, what would Jesus do? Well, this is my goal, but it's really hard to pull off and never at, at his level. But that's that, to me, is ultimately what you're talking about. Yes. Adrian in the back. I wasn't going to say anything, and then just when you said that, it, like, struck me that you said you're not supposed to say something right now because you're supposed to have listened, <laughs> which made me think about what does that mean when somebody says something and what, like, 
how do you how do you know when you should speak or shouldn't speak? I mean, I know that you'll say probably the Holy Spirit, but <laughs> no. I, but do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Like, well, it sounds like here's my argument, and I and it's maybe a, around my elbow to say the Holy Spirit, but what I'm arguing is that the more you listen to God, the more you will reflexively listen to others and know what to say. So it's not like I could, and, and that a lot of times when I talk about accessibility, I will probably talk about how to ask questions and here are the kinds of questions you should ask. And this is a good way to listen to people. I didn't want to do that because I want people to understand that a lot of that happens reflexively, you know, it just naturally when we are so intent on what God is saying to us. We know when to speak. And it's not that we can't practice good question asking and all those kinds of things. That's important. But I, I think the point I just wanted to make was I think you you will just speak naturally mm. when you need to. Repeat my. They got Lisa and Julie. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I think I've experienced what you're talking about. Um, so many times I've been sort of worried or concerned about something, and Karen is a fantastic listener and she she listens she takes it in she says something that's helpful insightful she'll pray and it seems to me i'm always amazed at what a great job she does with that and i don't <laughs> so it's just you know i think she does just what one should do and we should all try to to do that thank you lisa yeah emily and I were talking about the, you know, where you have this sermon and then everybody's supposed to listen afterward. And it's like, well, who are we listening to? And there's the, like, confusion of who's supposed to speak and who's supposed to share and things like that, uh, which is kind of what Adrian was talking about. And I think a lot of times in those circumstances, we begin rather than focusing on what God is doing or saying and start to focus again on whether we're doing it right or not right or um, and in kind of the social work setting there's kind of this sense of like if you are sharing something there's an understanding of like why you're sharing it and and are you trying to get something from the other person or those kind of things and I feel like sometimes when we let Jesus be the filter of, of like why we're sharing things. It makes it easier to know when we're supposed to speak and when we're, or share. Cause sometimes people do need to hear a word of your own story as, sure. as a part of really listening to their deeper places. And, sure. and then, um, but when we focus on what is Jesus doing in this time, as opposed to, am I asking the right question or speaking when I, you know, Anyway, that's kind of my. So you said, um, be slow to speak. Well, what if you're giving them the, the truth? <laughs> well, you're not mad. <laughs> and just sometimes you just feel like you just have to give them the truth, only to probably better them, but then they get defensive. So you're saying is they, they, they're saying something, and you're like, I need to tell them what's true because what they're saying is not true. 
invalid. Oh, invalid. Yeah. Um, well, I think you have to <laughs> be quick to listen <laughs> and slow to speak. I, I think the, the I thing I would say is I would be asking, okay, Jesus, what is it that they're really saying? Like underneath this thing that seems to be false, like why are they saying that? What's going on? What's the story behind that? Before I would then speak the truth, because I'd want to speak the truth to the actual thing that's going on, then kind of what they're presenting. Does that? Does that? So basically, we're both be breaking it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. Any any other questions? Got a one one in the back, and all right, those two, and then that's it. Jessica, and then Jake. I don't, uh, this probably isn't a question. I think I just want to say that being slow to speak and quick to listen, there's a lot of humility in that, um, especially if the other person is not doing that. I think, yes. like, you could be, you could have just shared your story and the other person gets defensive and does that to you. And I guess I'm just sharing from my own experience, and, and the advice was be humble. Um, mm -hmm and understand their story and where they're coming from, and that hurt. So that's not easy, um, but I think it's also important to recognize I'm hurt, but they're also coming from a place of hurt as well. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. No, that, that. that was very beautiful. Very true. All right, Jake, you're, you got it, and then we're, you're wrapping it up. So I was just thinking it, it's, it seems really easy to hear people that are similar in their thoughts and they're on the same page with different beliefs or positions in life. And it seems um, challenging to hear people who have different beliefs and different, a different page. And sometimes when I, and that sometimes I realize in my life that when I go from one page to a different page and how I was wrong before, but I didn't see that, so it almost feels like the scales are like falling off my eyes or like I'm going from being like foggy vision to clear vision. And it's really, that's sort of a neat experience. Cool. Well, I will end that. End this with that. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, as I always like to thank you. Thank you for the wisdom of my community and the things that they have to offer when it comes to being a community that listens and, and is accessible. I ask that you would give us space tonight to listen and that you would bless the food and the music and uh, all that we do afterwards. And that's that in your name, Jesus. Amen.